the 67th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Diana Guvertz, and I am the guest today. How cool is that? I'm here as a senior editor for Fierce Wireless and Fierce Telecom, and I'm so excited to be back with my old pal Roger and the host, Don, whose role I have just stolen. I'm sorry about that, Don. Hey, Diana. How you doing? Good. It's nice to be with you guys today. Yeah, no, thanks for, for being on the show. This is awesome, right? We've done this at least 67 times way back when. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, way back. It's a it's a throwback. We're back together at last. The, the, yes. the dream team, as it were. Absolutely. This is awesome. So what do we want to talk about? So this week, I thought we could talk a little bit about CBRS. And specifically, Roger, I thought we could talk a little bit about what the cable operators are doing in that space. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the cable operators, well, they bought CBRS Spectrum, right? Both Comcast and, and Charter. And the rumor is Charter is actually building out, right? They said so much. And I think they, they have a test market somewhere in, in the south. And it, it should be quite interesting because, you know, they can use CPRS for two things. One is they can use it to do capacity offload in their busiest markets and not pay Verizon, right? And they can expand their cable plant from where they are right now and can edge out, you know, a mile or two. And so customers that were just beyond the reach of, of, of these companies can now enjoy their services, but wirelessly. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things I found interesting is that both Comcast and Charter are working on this. And they, in terms of their MVNO, let's back up for a second, they are working together in some respects, but it's not really clear to me whether or not they're working together on CBRS. It seems like they're kind of doing testing side by side, but what that means is a little bit unclear to me. But moving along, I mean, Comcast has made some public statements just recently that they're, quote, actively testing in Philadelphia using both of their CBRS spectrum and their 600 megahertz spectrum assets. And I I think Charter was also talking about doing some testing and maybe even getting their first market up next year. But I I believe they had said that there's not going to be any significant offload until 2023, I believe, was the date that was cited. I'm wondering, Roger, what do you see in terms of this as being competition for or a detriment to the revenue line of the the big incumbents, specifically Verizon, since they're the MVNO. Yeah, they're both on Verizon. Yeah. So, yeah, when we look at the cable companies, they they are certainly cooperating. But they are, in, in CBRS, what we see is that they're not that closely cooperating, right? So they one of the things that is different is I think they're using different, slightly different equipment. Charter chose slightly different layout than, than, than Comcast did. And so it's, it's not like they're copycats with each other. Are their goals and strategy ultimately the same? Yes. They want to offload, and I think both Brian Roberts and, and, and John Rutledge talked about it, that 
they want to offload, you know, 25, 30% of their traffic onto their own network. And will that hit the bottom line of Verizon over time? Yes, absolutely, because they pay for traffic. And then traffic would like, Verizon would hold, provide the coverage in more rural places, but like in downtown Philadelphia or, you know, in, in Denver, uh, Comcast and and Charter would do that, but my impression was always Charter was a lot more aggressive with this than than Comcast was. I got the same impression just from public statements that they've made at investor conferences. I feel like from what I've seen, Comcast kind of goes back and forth, saying we're going to test it, but it's only a future possibility, and we'll use it if we have to, and it's nice to have. Whereas Charter's like no, man, we're doing this and we're doing it now and we're going to get it stood up as as soon as we can and then we're going to start offloading. At least that's just my interpretation of what I've seen or heard. I I don't know. No, and you, you, you're absolutely right. And I think it's a slight, it's not only slightly, it's quite a different strategy. They're going down the same path of being like hybrid MBNOs, right? They have their own network. They, they are MBNOs on, on Verizon. But when I look at somebody like a Comcast, it looks a lot more that their focus is on customer retention and, and, better customer service and they have like really an awesome set of mobile apps where you know if you're moving within their footprint you can use your cell phone to move your own service to one place or another but they're not as absolutely focused as this making being a money maker as charter is because for example at at comcast you can add you know, five lines for $15 and get one gig, right? Whereas, you know, the charter guys, these guys are serious. This is a money-making operation. You know, they're six to nine months behind Comcast at the launch, but this is being run as a much more more serious, not not that Comcast is not serious, but it's 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 a standalone business that has to make money. And so the efficiency gains from offloading your own traffic in the busiest areas is a lot more urgent. Yeah. And to your point, Roger, about Charter seeing it as a money-making venture, I think that's certainly the case. I mean, both of these companies have talked about wrapping wireless around broadband as kind of a value add. But the thing I've noticed about charters, when they talk about it, they're talking about trying to use it to grab more of the overall broadband spend. I think Tom Rutledge had said something to the effect of, you know, people are spending something like, don't quote me on this, but they're they're spending something like $120 on broadband and we only currently have, you know, 60 of that. So we could double that by adding wireless and, and save money for them. Or look at the other way. Right now they're spending $120 APA, right? If they come to us, they will still spend $120. It's just the split is $60 for broadband for home and $60 for, for mobile. So the total spend stays the same, but what, what customers get is, is you know, a lot more. And that's the value proposition, right? You know, same wallet share, just you know, now it's all with, with Spectrum Charter. What do you make of 
the 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 consumer response to this because I, I would say that they have pretty both Charter and Comcast have some pretty strong wireless net ads the last couple quarters, and I'm wondering if you have any sense of whether or not this is resonating in the market with consumers. I mean, because when you think of wireless. I mean, me thinking with my consumer brain, I don't think Comcast or Charter, right? I, I think Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T. So do you have any sense of how it's being received? Oh, absolutely. That's that's how Don and I, you know, make our money, right? It's like going <laughs> really in depth in, in analyzing all of that. And so one way how we're looking at it is not necessarily through the net ad perspective, but through the gross ad perspective. How many new customers or people that are are changing carriers or changing or are picking a new carrier because they never had something before, how does that distribute? And when you look at Soga, the share of gross ads, you see both Comcast and, and Charter in their footprint in the 20-25% range. And that is when you do the math that's roughly the the size of of the established carriers right so instead of a, a third a third a third it's now 25 25 25 25 plus minus a few points here and there and so within basically 3 years they are you know eye to eye with the national carriers just in what, 35 and 40% of the country. Cox has tried to do the same thing. And <laughs> T-Mobile sued them that they can't launch with anybody but them, right? And so when Peter Oswaldik, the CFO of T-Mobile, talks about them, he mentioned in a recent investor conference, oh, cable is at 10%. Yes, if you average it out over the entire country. But within the charter and the Comcast footprint, it's give or take a quarter, and that's a serious threat. Just because they don't are are no MVNOs or no wireless operations outside the two, the Comcast and the Charters doesn't mean you know we should just average them out. And you see also the grudging respect that they're now getting from T-Mobile. One of my favorite quotes ever was from Mike Siebert, who said like the biggest problem with cable is that they move at the speed of cable. And I think they proved cable proved him wrong, right? Because within two years, they're eye-to-eye in footprint. So, so, Roger, I think a lot of what we've seen from the cable companies with respect to wireless has been built around kind of anchoring on broadband service and then adding wireless on top of that, right? And one of the things that I think is curious, and I'm curious to see how it will turn out is kind of things going the other way where, you know, both T-Mobile and Verizon are both going very hard after fixed wireless now, right? So T-Mobile has already gotten to half a million subscribers on fixed wireless. You know, we expect, you know, Verizon's already put 155,000 fixed wireless subscribers. We expect things to start ramping up more for them in the future as well. I'm, I'm curious uh, to hear your thoughts in terms of the extent to which the wireless carriers are going to start fighting back kind of on cable's turf with respect to broadband. Well, exactly. And that's the strategy around, you know, for, for Verizon around C-band. They bought a boatload of spectrum in rural America. 
and also for T-Mobile. And both of them said that 50% of their fixed wireless ads are new customers to them. They never had mobile. So for the wireless guys, it's a it's an upsell opportunity in both directions. And I think the cable cable companies are still struggling that the top of the funnel begins with the fixed fiber or, or cable internet connection. But it's going to be a fascinating fight, right? And and the winner is the American consumer. But the, the wireless guys and all of them are running smack into $60 billion funding by the federal government on, on the broadband plan. And will the aspirations of T-Mobile and, and Verizon, and a lot of it for Verizon hinges on C-band, which is currently a whole different brouhaha we talked about several times before. Will they roll out faster than the then the money gets distributed and the, the rural companies can build out fiber. Right, because to be clear, none of this money coming from the federal government from the states is, it's all technology agnostic, right? So Correct. you could receive monies based on cable service versus fiber versus wireless. It's all fair game, right? And there are different providers for all those Smoke signals, you name it. Yeah, it's just based off of speed requirements as far as I can tell. Although it does seem like there might be some leaning towards fiber, but uh, it's not technically ruled out to use fixed wireless or another yeah, technology. And, and it shouldn't be, you know, and, you know, some people will also use satellite, right? You know, when you look at Starlink and, and other companies, looks like a very promising technology. You know, they, they have to overcome that there sh- shouldn't be a, an obstruction from here to the horizon. But so it doesn't really help you if you have a hut in the middle of a forest. But if you have a hut in the middle of a desert, <laughs> there you might go. Help you. Bingo. <laughs> right? So so the guys in the forest might still have problems because they're not going to lay fiber up a mountain, right? Exactly. Satellite is obstructed by the trees. So 5G is probably good technology for that. I just uh, wanted to add one little tidbit on the fixed wireless conversation. I was looking at a report today, and it kind of indicated that shipments of equipment for mid-band and millimeter wave are going up, right? As we had just talked about, T-Mobile and Verizon are kind of adding fixed wireless subscribers. And that's a good thing, right? Because I had talked to someone, I believe it was Jeff Hainan at Deloro, and he had mentioned that that's a good thing because it will help bring down prices for fixed wireless equipment. So to me, the idea is interesting to see if lower prices mean more people get into the fixed wireless game. And I'm, Roger, I mean, would there be anyone else that you can see kind of going after fixed wireless in the same way that Verizon and T-Mobile are? Is that something cable would do? Uh, Well, cable will will do it to expand their current footprint. And so, yeah, they, they will edge out. Right. The question is, how far will they edge out? And I, I have no idea how far they will, will actually go. But they have then, you know, just like uh, everybody else, have their Swiss Army set of of things. And you know, the, the sleeping giant here is AT and T that hasn't done this the, the same push into fixed wireless, and but they have seen really good traction in with fiber right and so they can supercharge that with with a wireless dimension on top of it yeah i think they 
They do have a fixed wireless offering, but to your point, they haven't really gone after it in the same way that T-Mobile and Verizon have. Yeah, they they needed a fixed wireless option based on some acquisition that they did. Ah, and they had okay. a regulatory requirement for that. See, Roger, you always have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But it's like I've been around a few times. But yeah, they, they haven't marketed that aggressively yet. But when when we've talked with them, you know, a while back, they were like saying, you know, we're gonna build fiber and then in the adjacent markets we will see, we'll try with five G. And if there is enough you know, demand, then we'll overbuild that with fiber too. So it's like for them, 5G will be a little bit of a putting a toe in, in the water and see if it's cold or or warm. Well, I think it's definitely shaping up to be a really interesting 2022 with lots of competition across, you know, cable versus wireless versus satellite. There's a lot of really good options for consumers in terms of broadband connectivity as well as usage of CBRS. So we'll definitely keep an eye on it and we'll talk to you guys on the new year. Thanks. Good to still have you, Don. Right? (laughs) Good. You scared me. 